the first part of this is going to be some vision, some why um, live on mission. And then I'm just going to, I decided I wanted to give you guys one key tool that has been a, a game-changing tool for us. It's, it's been the thing that really helped me put a lot of stuff together for when it comes to evangelism. So I want you guys to turn, turn your papers over. And I'm just going to have three phrases that I want you to write down. And then a bunch of verses that I'm going to quote, but you are, are not going to be able to look up in your Bible. So if you want, you can jot those verses and the ideas next to them down. To quote Jurassic Park, I'm going to move in fast, so hold on to your butts. <laughs> Father, um, thank you so much for this group that's here to learn how to live on mission, how to share the good news and make this as the first step of making disciples. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and just fill our hearts and just be, you know, show, show us the heart that you have for the lost. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing I want you guys to write down is just the word eternity. There's a lot of reasons to share the gospel. Because Jesus commanded it. Because it's the way to fulfill the Great Commission. There's a whole long list of reasons. But one of the reasons that hits me, I'm going to give you, is just eternity. How long eternity is. Have you guys... I want, to, I want to try something. Just take five seconds of silence, and I want you guys just to think about how long eternity is. So just take five seconds. It's pretty scary, isn't it? I get scared, to be honest, I get scared thinking about being in heaven with God. Just the concept of eternity scares me. But thinking about people, what the Bible says is those without Christ are going to be separated from God forever in hell. Um, and that's a truth that just hits me. And um, it's something that should bother you. And it's, it's not okay with God. Um, and, and this idea of God, there's something, it's a really important concept is that we need to share the gospel for people to come to Christ. Um, and so, in a, in a theological sense, there is a sense that God doesn't need us, but then there is a very real sense that God does need us to share the good news. And so that's part of our motivation um, in sharing. Um, James 4.14, you can jot that down. It says, Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I love this verse because, you know, you can walk outside tonight and just breathe once. And that's how long your life is in compared to eternity. That's, at the end of your life, really, two things are going to matter. Um, at the end, a million years from now, two things are going to matter. is who is in heaven and who is in hell. A million years from now, that's what's going to matter. Um, and then Psalm 39, 4-6, it says, Oh, my iPad's messing up here. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days as a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He, he heaps up wealth not knowing who will get it. And again, you just see in this, it's Psalm 39, 4-6, you see in this verse, it's a picture of just a breath, just a brief moment. And it's, it uses phantom. I don't really even know what that means, but it sounds really short, just like, you know, the phantom of the opera. I don't know. But it, it's short. Um, I've heard this illustration. Um, imagine I just took a Sharpie and put a dot on this, um, this brick here. The Glen people would be really mad. Um, but then you just took a line, and you spread it out, and it sent it all the way that way, all the way around the world. You wrap around as many times as you want. Let's say a million times. You wrap around the world a million times. Your life is like that dot, and the line is eternity. And evangelism, sharing the gospel, is one of the best ways that you can store up treasures and invest in eternity. And um, having compassion on those on people that people are deceived to, to, to be living for that dot. People are, are, are blinded. The Bible says that lost people are blinded. Um, we're actually going to go and look at a couple of those things. Um, so the question I want to ask you guys, what are you living for? Are you living for the dot? 
on the way you, you prioritize your time, on the way you spend your money, on the way um, you think, the way you pray, are you living for the die? Is all your prayers, all your energy focused on, God, lead me to my job that's in this little dot? You know, we need to be radically invested in eternity. That's the thing that motivates me the most. And the thing in college, we were sitting around a, a campfire. This is when God really started to break my heart for the lost was we were singing Glory is the Lord by Chris Tomlin. That was a while back when that one was really popular. Holy is the Lord. We were all having a great time and around the campfire. And um, But I was, in the moment, I was looking down at the campfire. And again, I just had that heartbreaking moment of realizing it's fun sitting around the campfire, but the fire also represents where people that reject Jesus are going to spend eternity separated from God in hell. And in that moment, God just broke my heart. I just started weeping. All the other people were singing along. I'm in the grand old time, and they're like, who's this freak just like crying over um, these lost people? Um, But I think that's what uh, is part of God's heart, is have you ever, have you ever thought about people, your friends, that are separated from God? And you thought about how they're, they're, if they reject Christ, they're going to be spending eternity separated from Him. Have you ever wept? Um, Jesus, when He looked over the city of Jerusalem, He wept over the people. Um, It's in Luke 9.41. And when Jesus drew near, He saw the city and He wept over it. Um, In Jude 1.22, our ministry in evangelism, um, it's described as saving others by snatching them out of the fire. I don't really enjoy... Um, the topic of hell, I hate it, but it's something that motivates me, and it, and I believe it's a biblical motivation. Um, and then, so that's one thing. And then here's a few other things. Picture your lost friends, those that don't have Christ in their life. Here's a list. If you can jot it down. The first one is they're dead in their sin. Ephesians two one through four says they're dead in their sin. The second one says they follow Satan. It's Ephesians two two. The next one it says they're blinded. They cannot see God. They're blinded. Um, it says they're slaves to sin. It says they will be separated from God forever in hell. And uh, hell, you know, there's been some debate about hell. Um, but Jesus said it was real. So that's my first thing about hell is it's real. Um, G- if Jesus said it's real, it's good enough for me. The next thing is hell is a place of loneliness and pain. It, it, this verse in Second Thessalonians 1.8, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. So there's going to be an intense loneliness. And on this earth, one of the worst punishments is solitary confinement because we are created to be in fellowship. And a person in hell will be alone forever. Um, the next thing is there will be real pain, which is Revelation 20.10. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So real pain. And then the last thing is hell is forever. It's not like a certain period of time and, uh, and then it stops. Uh, Matthew 9.48, it says, People that reject Christ will be thrown into hell where the worm never dies and the fire is not quenched. So it's going to go on forever and ever and ever. And um, so for me, I'm a really simple guy. And I think, man, the message of Jesus, this is the good news, that because of our sin, we are separated from God and we are destined to hell. But because Jesus loved us so much, He took the punishment that we deserved, and when we put our faith and trust in Him and turn towards Him to walk with Him, we can know that we're going to be in heaven for Him with Him forever. And that is the greatest message. That's why we're here. It's about the Gospel. But... um, I know this is one other truth I want you to write down. It says, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Um, this is a truth you need to hold on to. You look at the people on your campus, God doesn't want any of them to go to hell. Second Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So the question I want to ask us is, do we really believe what we say we believe? Do you really believe in heaven and hell? Do you believe in the gospel? Do you believe that if people accept Christ, they're going to spend eternity with God in heaven? Do you believe that? And it, does your life show that? And uh, the, James says, faith without works is dead. Um, a non-Christian that was about to get um, um, 
he was about to get executed. He was a famous criminal, and this was years ago in England. And this the priest came up and started sharing the gospel with him and saying, oh, if you can be forgiven, if you accept Jesus. And this is what the criminal said. He said, do you believe that? Do you believe that? If I believe that, I would willingly crawl across, across England over broken glass to tell him it was true. He, that, that criminal got the idea that if this is true, this is top priority. This is, this is why we're still on earth, is to tell those without Christ um, that, that they can be forgiven. And it's through spiritual multiplication. It's through the, stu- the discipleship stuff. But um, one thing about discipleship, the, the vision of multiplication, you know, in 32 years, we can uh, reach the whole world through one-on-one multiplication. Uh, the thing that I think is missing a lot of times in, in disciple-making, a lot of times there's people that either do evangelism or they do disciple-making, okay? But ours is the more of a disciple-making culture, one-on-one, let's do this. I think one of our things we lack is we don't get the one. How many, I believe it takes a lot of people to share the gospel with to find your one. And it's one per year. So personally, I, I'm not... It's, it's really hard to find one person per year. And that, that's what it'll take in 32. So I'm going to explain a little bit more about that. But there's this famous um, atheist. Let's see. Let's see if we got it. I got a video of this. Um, he's actually, his name is Penn Teller. He's a famous comedian. He's an atheist. And um, he tells a story of someone that witnessed to him and told, told him about Christ. So check it out here.
and you think that, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people should proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And I always thought that, and I've written about that, I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. But I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. That's good. Oh, okay. All right, there we go. You get to look at Sony pictures for a little bit. Um, yeah, I love the way you said that. You know, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them about eternal life? It's just, that's heavy. If you, I mean, think about it. If you had the cure to cancer, you know, you just found it, and you kept your cure to cancer, you had a personal relationship with your cure to cancer, and uh, you never shared that, you didn't tell anyone, what would the people, what would they do to you? What, if people found that, you would be Coney. Dude, you would be like the most hated person. Uh, they would tweet about you and make videos, and um, you know, it's just it's just something that I want you guys to to really pray about. So I want you guys to take a second, just quietly between you and God, and I want you to look over look over some of these ideas and think and pray, and just for a few minutes, write down, uh, and then pray about think about the people you know that don't know Christ, and write down their names. And pray for them. And then commit before God that you're going to, at some point, share the gospel with them. And then I'm going to get into some really practical stuff um, after you get done. So just take a minute to kind of spend time with God and let these concepts sink in a little bit. All right. So yeah, I know you're not done, but I, want, I really wanted you guys to take some more time, um, sometime during the at the Glen, get away, write down a list of everyone you know that doesn't know Christ, and um, then start praying for them. And then you know, a lot of people like I used to be a proponent of what I call an impact list of three people, um, but we should be knowing more than just three people, and that'll go into this next point I want to make. I want to give to you guys. The next thing about if you want to be effective in living on mission, um, you're going to have to uh, sow broadly. You're going to have to sow broadly. Um, so, and what I mean by that is, you know, you, the harvest, we've been looking at this verse, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. You guys can jot that down. And Jesus, I'm not going to redo the talks that Mike and, um, and Tom gave, um, but. I just the, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, so I think that's true. I think Jesus is is right here, um, and uh, I, I, it's, it's pretty profound. I think I think it's true. Um, so think about your campus. Um, so we got OSU right in here. How many students go to OSU? Okay, no, I'm talking about like this, <laughs> the um, the student body, the student body. How many? How many? Um, Twenty six thousand. Okay, whoa. 23,000? Okay, what about OU? How many? About 30? 30,000? Uh, what about what other schools uh, rep- are represented in here? Any other schools? Southeastern? Yeah? You got like 1,000? 40, okay, there you go. 
There you go. All right. Okay, at Chico State, we've done the numbers. Um, there's 20, at Chico State and Butte College, it's a community college. We reach out to both. There's 23,000, there's 25,000 ish. Um, but we figured out that there's 23,000 lost students at Chico State and Butte College. <laughs> 23,000 students that don't have a relationship with God. And, um, I don't have time just to sit with my two non-Christian friends and year after, you know, like, that, that's just something that God, that God spoke to me about is like, there's, we want to give as many of them as possible a chance to come and know Christ. Um, and you see this, this is a biblical concept. This is the way Jesus started his ministry in Mark 1. Um, you look at Mark 1, 36 to 39. Jesus was there and the whole town, Jesus went out and it says he went to all the towns and villages preaching the gospel. And the whole town of Capernaum was gathered around. So it was probably at least a thousand people or something. The whole town of Capernaum. And he could have, right then and there, started the first mega church. And uh, just, just went, you know, settled down and did that. But this is what he says. He says, Simon and his companions were, went out to look for Jesus. And, well, him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you, Jesus, because he went off to pray by himself. And then Jesus says this is a powerful thing. He says, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. So, because that is why I've come. So Jesus knew. He started a great ministry. He reached some people. But he realized that there was a lot more gospel seed to be sown before he died on the cross. And then, so he, and then it says, So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. So he traveled throughout. Jesus saturated his target areas um, with the good works and good news. And something that David and I did when we started doing dorm ministry... Um, my, my twin brother. I lived in the dorms. I was in, at OU. Yeah, we were in Kate. And in Kate, we, uh, yeah, represent. Um, but we were in Kate, and we were like, okay, God's called us. We got a call to do ministry. So we're like, I guess we should just share with everyone. So we literally just walked down the hall, and we started this thing called The Spot where we bribed them with free pizza and we got them down to the lounge and we did everything everything short of sin, poker tournaments, uh, whatever we could do to get them down there. And, bri- you know, so every week we'd walk down and we're like, all right, hey man, you're coming to The Spot. Oh, you got homework? Oh, you, that can wait. Come on. Let's go. And we just like got, we, we got a group of like 15 to 20 guys that were coming every week and people were getting saved. And um, it's just this concept of sowing broadly. And it, that was actually our freshman year. Um, no one, uh, like, we didn't have to get permission. You don't have to get permission to do this, guys. Like, you can just go do that. You can go just tell people about Jesus, invite people to Bible study. And we learned, we matured and learned. Um, there's a great book called The Fuel and the Flame I read that really helped me mature my evangelism strategy, which I would suggest. But um, start out um, just doing some Nike evangelism. Uh, just, just do it. Just go out and do it. It's just Nike evangelism. Um, and then, um, this is, you think about the way Jesus trained his disciples. Jesus did not have a small group Bible study where he got his disciples and he was like, okay, let's, let's all memorize a verse this week and we're going to read Isaiah and do an inductive study on that. Okay, come back next week. Is that how Jesus discipled his guys? No. Jesus actually did ministry with them. Mark 3, 14. The with him principle applies to sowing broadly with the gospel. Um, I think this was really interesting. Um, and it, let's see. Here, um, oh, this is a, a, a powerful part. It's in Mark 6, 30 to 34. You guys can open up there. It's a little bit longer passage. Mark 6, 30 through 34. And uh, as you're do, opening it up, I'm going to explain... Um, he also, when he sent out um, the disciples in Luke 10, that's the way he, he, he challenged them to go to all the towns and the villages, to talk to everyone, to find persons of peace. So again, when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two in Luke 10, it was this concept of sowing broadly. Um, and my simple way of thinking about this, you have to talk to a lot of people, you have to share the gospel with a lot of people to reach some. It's really profound. You have to share the gospel with a lot. If you do, if you share the gospel, you will lead people to Christ. If you share the gospel, you will lead people to Christ. And if you do not share the gospel, I can guarantee you, you will not lead people to Christ. And so it's that simple. Um, but here's Jesus in Luke 6, 30-34. 
Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. So they, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And I see this, I love this picture, because this is how Jesus trained his disciples. His, he, he was doing evangelism ministry um, so much that they didn't even have time to eat. And uh, so I, I think in, on our campus at Chico State, we, this fall we did a, a big outreach um, emphasis the first month of the fall semester. We worked, um, students and staff, um, students probably worked l- almost literally 60 hours um, the, the first two weeks of the, the semester um, to do, go, having socials, partying with a purpose. Um, that's another thing I can tell you more about is a freshman that's coming to college, their number one nail- felt need is to have fun. Um, and so... Uh, they're not, they don't care where they get it from, but we need to be the ones that get it to them. And so we worked so hard that week. The staff worked probably 80-something hours that week. Our goal the, the first month was to get a 1,000 interested contacts in Christian Challenge, a 1,000 people that we could start texting and um, messaging, Facebook messaging, inviting them to Christian Challenge. So we did a whole bunch of stuff. This is really technical that I can explain to you. But we were sewing broadly. We, we ended up falling way short. We got like 500 interested contacts. So that was awesome. And we were able to text message them. And, and then uh, we kept it really simple. We, everyone that came to large group or came to small group we just set up a gospel appointment with them. So we started inviting them to socials, fun events, the large group, the small groups. And then at our, our strategy is have a simple gospel presentation and then train everyone and share with everyone. <laughs> simple, everyone, everyone, and then some will accept Christ. And so this fall semester, we've seen 48 students pray to receive Christ Amen. just through trying to... Um, just get into a lot of people's lives and sowing broadly with the gospel. I really believe there's people on your campuses that they just need someone to take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit and share the gospel with them and invite them. We're inviting them into a community. Um, Evangelism is not separated from your discipleship and your community life. It's all part of the action. So discipleship... If you want to make disciples, discipleship is in the context of evangelism. Um, and that's the way Jesus... Jesus said, follow me as I, and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 4, Matthew 4.19. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then, okay, Jesus did this. This is the way he did it. And then you look at the early church. Um, and if any of you guys have read Acts, I don't think they were very careful with who they shared the gospel with and how. They just went for it. And uh, they just went just all out. They, they, they went for it. Acts 5.42 says, Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. And then Acts 4.20 um, they said, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. So they weren't careful. They just they probably had the same strategy. We're just, everyone's going to share about Jesus to everyone. So I love that. I'm a simple guy. Let's just do that. Let's just share Jesus with everyone. As a result, in Acts 17.6, they, they ended up turning the world upside down. And uh, I think we really can, as we're sharing the gospel broadly, Seeing some come to faith. I think in order for you to do this multiplication thing, this is not an exact number, but you'll have to share with 10 to 20 people in the course of... If you want to lead one person to Christ this year and train them up so they can lead one person to Christ next year, you guys are each going to have to probably share with at least 20 people in a face-to-face, one-on-one way. That's obviously, God can do it the first time, and maybe you'll lead 20 people to Christ, which I think that would be a good problem to have, but... So that's the early church. And then every church planning movement, every revival in history was marked by just boldness, a not getting into the paralysis of analysis over and I don't know if this person's ready yet, you know. Just you know, just share with them. And there's there's this awesome things happening called church planning movements all over the world. One of them, the largest one, had one point seven million baptisms and started hundred and fifty thousand new churches since two thousand and one. 
uh, 1.7 uh, million baptisms. Just And it started from one guy and his wife. And what, all they did was share the gospel and then train their people, disciple their people to share the gospel. And it was the... It was the multiplication model that we're teaching you guys. But this guy has, is actually doing it. It's in China right now. And it's called Tea for Tea. It's a good book. I'd encourage you guys. But here's what he writes here. He says, we must use spiritual means to find spiritual people. One successful trainer says it this way. We must sift for persons of peace using the gospel. And if you have questions about that person of peace concept, I can explain that a little more. In a training session... It became apparent that a longtime colleague and his team were seeing dramatic results in a very resistant people group. For seven years, they had labored with no fruit, no new believers, and no churches. How discouraging. At our meeting, he reported that in the eighth year, they began to see radically different results. So I asked him, what changed? In embarrassment, he replied, we started sharing the gospel. I said, excuse me? What did you say? Looking me in the eyes with sadness, he said more loudly, we started sharing the gospel. This is in the Middle East or in a very resistant overseas people group. For seven years, they were just hooing and hawing and wimping around and uh, not sharing the gospel with people. And they, they had the right motives, but I just think, um, and according to them, they, they were just deceived. That um, the, Matthew 9, it says, the harvest is plentiful. And uh, so these people, they just started sharing the gospel and they started to see a church planning movement getting, get going. Another one that's seeing movements was asked, who do you find to be the most responsive? He replied, those that I share the gospel with. <laughs> of 100% of those that I do not share with, do not respond. Um, people are open, okay? Um, and then I have some exciting statistics. Um, 77% of people that accept Christ do it before the age of 21. So this is why you, as college students, you are the best person to share with your friends. Me, you know, Kels, we're a little old. Like, we're not going to be able to fit in as much. 90% of Christians... Okay, so 77% make decisions for Christ before age 21. And 90% make the decisions before Christ before the age of 25. So that, this is one reason I do college ministry. Because this is like the prime time where people are deciding for themselves, what am I going to be about? And uh, I think about Mike, Mike Jordell that was speaking. And when he was praying to God, just help me. Help me find someone. And I believe there's people, there's thousands of students, freshmen rushing into our campuses um, every year that are, that are wrestling with that, that, that party scene. They're wrestling with whether or not they really want to walk with God, whether they're Christians or not. And we need to be bold and zealous, be there for them. And then another encouraging one, Ed Setzer um, in a book said, 89% of younger unchurched people said, if a Christian wanted me to tell about what he or she believed, I would be willing to listen. I like that one. It's 89%. You know, so almost 9 out of 10 people, young, non-Christians that don't go to church, if you said, hey, I'd like to share with you about Christ, they'd be willing to listen. So I, I'm pretty encouraged by that one. And then here's some biblical verses, some more, if you can get enough. 2 Corinthians 9.6 now, now I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows generously will also reap generously. And this is the principle of the harvest. This verse is actually about giving. The way harvest works is he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And then uh, Ecclesiastes 11.6, it says... Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Ecclesiastes 11.6 I think as Christians, we think it's our job to figure out where the person's at before you share the gospel, but I've found that I'm not omniscient, I'm not God, and I don't know where the person's at spiritually until I share the gospel with them. This is, a con this is a very important um, paradigm shift that I think it would be helpful for you guys, is you're not going to know where the person's at. And, and the whole, I love the whole illustration of the negative 10. Have you guys heard this one? There's some people are on a negative 10, um, and they're, they're really far from Christ. Some people are negative 1, and then the, you know, it goes this way, growing as a disciple. But I love that illustration, but I love... The fact that you can find out, the best way to find out where the person's at so you can serve them best is just to share the gospel with them. 
And then based on how they respond, you can do serve you can serve them. And that's what I do. I share with them, and I'd be like, if they a lot of times they say no, and I'm like, well, okay, yeah, it's a big decision, and I'd love to be a resource for you and be your friend and just like however I can help you in your process of coming closer to Christ. And we've seen a guy, we've seen so many students at Chico State. Um, well, we've seen a number of them that have rejected. God when we do the gospel appointment, which I'm going to explain that the other side of the sheet. Hopefully I'll have time. I better get going. We've had this guy, I can picture a guy named John. Tim, Tim Heron, he sat down with him the fall semester, shared the gospel with him, and he was totally not ready. He's like, man, I don't know any of this stuff. Like, never read the Bible. I've never read the Bible. No, I'm not. No, no, I don't want to do this. No. But Tim's like, all right, man. Hey, yeah, I'm glad. I just, this is the most important thing about our group. I wanted to share this with you. I want to be your friend when you want to hang out next. You can come to Challenge, too. So he started coming to Christian Challenge. He started hanging out with us at all of our parties, which we do. We try to do, like, one a party with a purpose a week at, at our group, like, to just have a lot of fun, non-Christians and Christians. Like, some people call them Matthew parties. Whatever you want to call them, I think it's really important to have fun with non-Christians. And then we, he started coming around, and then later on that semester, like, in November and December, he, on his own, he came up to Tim. He's like, I'm in. I'm one of them. I'm one of you guys. I'm a Christian. And he committed his life. He, he heard the gospel probably seven times from us. And that's actually, it takes the average person seven times uh, to hear the gospel before they accept it. I think that's a really important thing. So we've seen a lot of that. Another thing I love is it's not about you. It's about God's power. First Corinthians 3, 5 through 8. What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants to whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have, no, have one purpose, and each will be rewarded in his own labor. So even if he doesn't, people don't accept Christ the first time, you're still planting a seed, and other people are going to water it, and God's going to make it grow. Another one I love, it's 1 Corinthians 2, 1-5. This is one of my favorite verses about evangelism. It says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom when I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my message and my words were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but God's power. And I love that because this is the Apostle Paul. I picture the Apostle Paul being this buff dude that's just like, yeah, throw me to the lions, let's rip their heads off, like, let's, just, let's take them, let's do this, you know. But no, actually Paul... He might have been a little guy. His, his, Paul, the word Paul means little. Anyways, that's... But he, he said, I came to you in weakness, fear, and in much trembling. And most times I share the gospel, I sweat. I'm sweating right now. Um, I, I tremble. I, I, I get nervous. I just... It, I do that. But God shows up in awesome ways. I want to tell you guys a story... Um, I had a really bad meeting. It was like a horrible one-on-one meeting with a, a Christian guy that was even going through some spiritual warfare stuff. Satan was feeding him a lot of lies. He was in sin. And it was just really discouraging. But I like to stack my meetings up back-to-back. And, and so I had a gospel appointment the very next hour. And so I was just so drained spiritually. I just felt like, oh, man. What am I going to do? I'm sharing the gospel with this guy. So you could even be tempted to cancel in that moment. Like, hey, let's set this up for another time. I'm really... But I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just do it. So I da- sat down with this guy. He was a really cool guy. He was one of those just like confident, you know, like those, those really, really intimidating guys. And to be honest, I was really intimidated. And I was just like, uh, yeah, so, okay, good to meet you. Um, yeah, we have this sheet that explains what our group's about. Maybe we could read it together. So I set it on the table. And then he, he starts looking at it. He's just like, dude, that sin, that it talks about sin, that's me. Like, he just started reading it. Like, he was, I was trying to read, read it through him with him, and like, usually I'm the leader through the thing. But he would totally, he was totally reading ahead. And he was just like, you could see the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Just like, man, I need God. This totally defines me. Like, how do I... And even before I got to the cross, I was still explaining sin. He was like, so how could you and me ever 
ever be saved? How can we ever be right with God? I'm like, that's exactly the point. We're going to get to it. <laughs> and I just, you know, like, he just, God just did it. Like, I didn't do anything cool. I just plopped down a piece of paper that had some verses on it. He read it. The Holy Spirit convicted him, and he prayed to receive Christ. And he looked up, and he's like, man, this is heavy. You know, that's kind of the way the Chico people talk. So, yeah, bro. Um, so it was awesome. And then the Apostle Paul, he closed his life with boldness. Acts 20.20, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. This is the Apostle Paul. He's a good... If you want to model your life by someone, do Jesus. If you're going to look for someone else, do the Apostle Paul. You have not hesitated to... He said, I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. So, a lot of times we hesitate, don't we? To preach what's helpful. And this is what the Apostle... And then he goes on to even talk about how, because of that, he's innocent of the blood of all men. And I don't really know how that works, but I don't want that to be true of me. Um, that the, I, anyone's blood is on my hands. Acts 28.31, this is the way Paul ended his life. I love this. He, he's just going out swinging. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus. While he's chained to the Roman guards, those guys are probably so annoyed by him. This is one thing, one note on evangelism I want to encourage you guys with, is the best kind of evangelism is the kind that you do. <laughs> okay? Um, like you can talk about relational, you can talk about the bridge, you can talk about the four laws, whatever you want. But the best kind is the kind that you actually do. And I, this is a story I, I just got of God working. Um, my brother and I, uh, we were going back from class, and I was, I was actually reading a Christian book in class, which you're not supposed to do. Um, and God, but I was getting all fired up, like, let's go reach people for Christ. And I was like, David, let's go share the gospel. And David was like, oh, man, I don't feel like it. We only have a couple hours till ministry team. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I didn't, to be honest, I didn't totally feel like doing it either. But, you know, so we, we did like a survey approach. David went to get a couple other guys to live in our hall. And we did a thing where once a week we went out and just randomly talked to people. And it ended up, a lot of times it wasn't random because God's God and he brings divine appointments. Um, so, but anyways, so I was in my room and David was getting the other guys. And all of a sudden I started having all these lies. Like, oh, going to talk to strangers, that's like so not strategic. That's, you know, what are you doing? This is such a waste of time. And then I remember praying to God, God, you know, I really, actually, to be honest, God, I don't know if this is strategic or a good idea or not. Um, uh, but, but please show me tonight if this is worth my time. Okay? <laughs> I prayed that prayer. We went out sharing, and two people prayed to receive Christ. I met this guy named Travis Harmon. Um, that some of you guys might know him. And uh, we met, he was a normal Christian at the time, wasn't going to church, just hanging out in his dorm room. I, I was like, all right, here's a book. The one thing you can't do in heaven, read this. You're a Christian, okay, let's do this. Come to, come to Paradigm, Max Barnett was talking. And I, after that, I was like, all right, Travis, say, hey, you want to meet? And I can, we can uh, just do discipleship stuff. I, actually, I was, it was about evangelism. I was like, you want to learn how to do evangelism. So we met, me and Travis met. For two and a half years. And he, God just worked in his life. He taught me so much through discipleship. God started giving me a heart for India. I felt like God was calling me to go to the college campus in India. And Travis Harmon just got back from two and a half years um, in India. And so all this to say is when you share the gospel, never listen to the lies of Satan that it's not strategic, that the person's not ready um, just do it. Just Nike evangelism, man. Um, and so, but all that to say, there's this one tool. It's called Gospel Appointments. And I'm going to blast through it. I want you guys to flip over your handout. And I'm going to give you the super basics. And uh, you can come ask questions about it when we're done. But before we get into that, I have a video of some students. Let's see, is it? Here we go. I have a video of some students that have been using it on our campus. And, you know, this, this semester, like, we trained our student, our core team, which was, at the time when we trained them was four students. <laughs> so we trained our core team and our staff, and now almost all of our students and staff, our core students and staff, have, have led someone to, personally led someone to Christ through a gospel appointment. And this semester, in two and a half years, we've seen... Okay. Two and a half years, in two and a half years, we've seen over 100 students pray to receive Christ. And so you just, like, this tool is awesome. 
It may not be the best way, but it, it works. So let's let's try it. Really helpful for me because they are easy to set. Um, Setting up a gospel appointment is totally natural because I usually say something like, I'm so glad you're able to come. I was wondering if you want to get coffee sometime and talk more about what Christian Challenge believes or something like further explain this Bible study, talk about the gospel, something like that. And it's really just natural to talk about once we're actually at the meeting. Um, I usually talk about their religious background and their experiences at church and those conversations just led really easily to going into talking about the gospel and I just read with them over the equipment papers that I bring to the meeting and it really helps because even if I'm nervous or flustered I can just refer back to the papers and just get all the way through and so therefore I'm not just making it up on the top of my head or feel pressure to have to do it at a meeting and um, it lets them say what they're thinking, and I can answer any questions that they may have, and it's just really easy to do while they're there at a meeting. Um, I also like also appointments because it's really easy to get to know them. Um, I can I get to hear about their background, and I get to hear um, about their experiences with church, and it helps me better understand where they're coming from. Gospel appointments are a really good way of... iPhone,
responding. He wasn't, uh, I mean, he didn't want to stop at all the whole time. He was really engaged in what was going on. And he even at one point said, like, wow, I didn't understand that. We were going over, um, like, the bridge illustration where there's a really big gap and how our good works don't, you know, can't ever cover that gap that's created by sin. And he said, well, I didn't understand that. I always thought it was more of a karma thing where, like, I do something good and it covers up for something that I did bad. And then as long as it equals out or I do good with that, I think I'll go to heaven. Um, and so he really was understanding the concepts and he said, like, he understood that better now and how that works. Um, and then to my shock, at the end, um, when I asked him if he wanted to like, make that commitment, his life to Christ, he said no, he wasn't <laughs> And I was just really surprised because he had just got so well the whole appointment. Um, but um, since then, he's still been coming to meetings and stuff, and I still see him on campus and say hi and talk to him. And it was, it's been really cool because that's kind of how our friendship started, was with a gospel appointment. It wasn't something that I had to leave. I didn't need to be in for a really long time before I could like shred with him. Um, just more like like relational evangelism, but where the evangelism was right up the bat. Yeah. Um, which is like I think a really good way to do it so that you don't end up just having a friendship with no evangelism. <laughs> um, so that works. That has worked out really well, even though he he still hasn't like made that decision. For example, I met this girl named Carla, and she had been coming around to our Bible study that we were doing in the dorms, and I set up a gospel appointment with her after the Bible study, and just simply said, I'd love to talk to you more about what we talked about tonight, and tell you what Christian challenge believes, do you want to get coffee sometime? And she said, yeah, and we met for coffee that week, and I talked to her about her religious background, and asked her questions like, what were her experiences in church, and... Through that, I was really able to set up a relationship with her from the very beginning, so she felt comfortable that I was going to explain the gospel to her right after that. And so I was able to talk to her, and we went through the gospel appointment sheet, and she was able to ask any questions that she had, and um, at the end of it, she accepted Christ, and it was really exciting. We got to celebrate together right then, and she accepted Christ right in the middle of the BMU coffee shop, um, and it was just a really exciting time for her. And I've also had experiences like that with three other girls this semester, and they all accepted Christ in that same coffee shop, and it's just been really exciting to see their lives change, and it all started with a gospel appointment. Yep. So that's, um, we don't have time to go on to how. How many of you guys can read? Okay, good. So I want you to flip over your thing, and at some point, read this, and then come ask me questions if you have a question about how it works. I tried to lay it out just so you could play it out. Um, a little rhyme there. Got that from Snoop Dogg. Um, but yes, this girl, Brittany, like she's led four girls to Christ this semester. Just this fall. Um, actually, last semester, fall. Uh, but it's just so exciting. Like, anyone can do this. And we, we train our students, if you can relate to people and you can read, then you can lead people to Christ. <laughs> How many of you guys, again, we can read. We can all read here. We're in college. Um, and and just it's, it's a prayerful thing, but um, I just want to encourage you guys, be radical so broadly with the gospel. Um, share, do gospel appointments with as many people as possible and uh, adapt it. There's nothing magical about... We, we have a sheet, a gospel lesson sheet that I can email you. My email is at the bottom of that sheet. So I'd love to get 100 emails um, and send them all to you guys. Um, I would, that would just make my heart really excited if I could send you guys 100 emails. Um, so email me, and I'll send you that sheet and a couple other pointers about evangelism just on things that I've written up and stuff that I've found and stolen from other people. Um, so... Um, so yeah, so I'd love, I'd love to, I'm, I can't wait actually to see next year that we really won't fit in the Glen because we've reached way too many students. We'll just have to like, just let the freshmen come or something like that. Um, so because I really believe that if everyone in this, like if all 300 
um, and 76 people that came on this trip. This next year started sowing broadly with the gospel and doing gospel appointments or whatever method you find. We're going to have a lot of people coming to know Christ. So, I, I, and obviously, <laughs> that should be exciting to us. So let me just pray. Father, um, thank you for these students and their heart to serve you um, and their desire to be used to make disciples. Um, but Lord, I pray that they would have in the front of their mind that they're not going to make disciples if they don't lead people to Christ. Um, if, they, if it's not actual reproduction and spiritual multiplication, um, I pray that each one of us would be a multiplier of our faith, that those that we lead to Christ will lead others to Christ, that will lead others to Christ, and we'll be able to change this world um, in this generation. Um, and uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, actually, we got three minutes. So if anyone has a question, if you want to leave, you can. But uh, if you have a question, just come up and ask me. Or, or actually, let's do one or two questions just with everyone still here. Anyone have a question about this stuff we're talking about? Yeah. Have you already shared the gospel with her, like the good news, like really clearly that, you know, and and I think it's something really important as we share, it is good news, you know, and and I think you want to make sure you communicate it as, man, why wouldn't you want to accept this? Like Jesus as your leader, as your forgiver, someone that's going to give you abundant life. Um, So that's uh, that's just, uh, you know, you've probably already done that, but also... It's relational evangelism. So that, there's a lot of good resources, and your campus um, ministers can direct you and lead you in that. And it's being, being their friend, praying for them, and then keep sharing the gospel with them. And uh, now that you've, it, once you've laid it out really clearly, you can kind of give them little, little checkups, almost like, so, have you ever thought about, any more about um, you know, accepting, becoming a follower of Christ? Because you know that's... Because sometimes people almost think, like, they heard it from you, and uh, as long as they hang out with you enough, maybe they'll eventually become a Christian by osmosis or something. So you got to keep kind of like pushing it, pushing the subject and be like, so, you know, have you made that decision yet? And like, you know, I don't know. It's just it's the loving thing to do is just to keep trying, keep loving them, never give up on them. Um, but then also um, go find some more people to talk to. <laughs> you know, don't, don't spend all your time with the one person that doesn't want to hang out with you. <laughs> That's kind of weird. <laughs> it's just kind of creepy, you know. So, any other questions? Got one more question. Time for one more question. Yeah. Uh, you said you had like evangelism parties, and you just hit on that just right quick. Exactly what you guys do on the campus. We do just fun stuff. That's it. And uh, <laughs> we have we have no agenda except for bring your non-Christian friends. And we have fun. We don't have any testimonies. We don't have any anything anything except for just having fun. And we're Christians and non-Christians having fun together. And then the, we obviously are always inviting them to, to our large group meeting. We're always setting up gospel appointments. But the fun is just fun. And God uses that in the purpose. Jesus partied with sinners. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. Um, you know, he... No, we don't do. We don't have a building, and I think that's a blessing in some ways, um, because then we got to be creative. We do a lot of stuff on campus, and what I would suggest for larger ministries is have a sister, a brother and sister group 
and plan parties together and just tell your freshman guys, hey, girls are going to be there. And they'll, they'll be like, yeah, I'm there. You know? Or, you know, they don't have to be big. Like, our ministry is still small, we're, you know. And uh, so we would have 30 people show up and play volleyball. And that's all we did. We played volleyball. We walked to the yogurt shop. And it was fun, you know. And so don't, you don't have to do anything really expensive or really creative. Just go have fun with people and love them. So, yeah, awesome. So come ask me more questions. I'd love that. So go to lunch.